and welcome to the Parker J. Cole Show. I am your host, the Queen Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we are going to be talking about the Bible, dimensions, and the spiritual realm. Are heaven, angels, and God closer than we think? I found this book quite by accident. I received a message from a PR company that I get occasional guests from, and as soon as I saw this, I had to click on the link. I had to find out what this is about, and it's a book by Dr. Jeff Rhodes, and he talks about so many things that just titillate my imagination, my thoughts, and all the gray matter in there. So I'm really excited that he decided to come onto the show today to talk about this. Now, you may remember several years ago, we talked about this as it relates to multiple dimensions and multiple worlds, parallel universes, things of that nature. This is in the same realm, but we don't have the secular understanding of these ideas. We have a biblically-based, spiritually-based approach to these things. And when I saw this, I just got really excited. And I told my writer friends, oh my gosh, guess who I'm going to be interviewing on this show? And this was before I even reached out and asked, because I was not going to take no for an answer. So I'm so glad Dr. Rose, rather Jeff, is going to be with me on the show today. And so without further ado, I'm going to introduce my guest co-host and contributor today, Dr. Jeff Rose. Jeff, how are you doing today? Doing great, Parker. It's good to be with you. Thank you for inviting me on your show. And I am so glad to have you on the show as well. Very, very excited to delve into this book, The Bible, Dimensions, and the Spiritual Realm. And then the subtitle is, Are Heaven, Angels, and God Closer Than We Think? And right now in today's society, particularly in the West, we think of God being far away if we think about him at all. We think angels are closer than they think, and they're going to answer all our prayers. And heaven is just this place where we sit on clouds and strum harps or something. So I'm glad this book is out there to give us no. Heaven, angels, and God are closer than we think, and it matters that they're closer than we think. Because this is not just about the material world, but about the spiritual world and implications of that as well. So, so much is going on in this book. And for those of you listening, you can get this book online at Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. I want to know a little bit about you. So go ahead and tell us about yourself. Yes, I grew up in the Kansas City area, and uh, my mom took me to church when I was young. I really never made a profession of faith and understood what salvation was till I was about 21 years old. I was married. A friend invited me to church, thought we're married, we should go to church. So I went to a church, and, and I remember... After being there a few months, sitting in the pew thinking, how in the world am I going to get to heaven? I can't even go one day without sinning. How, I, there's just no way I'm going to get there. And through the preaching and the Holy Spirit, I understood that I'm not good enough to get to heaven. But there was somebody who was. His name is Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ came. He lived the perfect life for Jeff. He died on the cross for Jeff's sins. And he rose again in victory over death and hell. And all I needed to do was accept Christ as my Savior, as my payment for sins. And I did that. I went forward. I accepted Christ as my Savior. And since then, I have really been trying to understand the Bible and learn more about the Bible. I went to Bible college here at Calvary Bible College in Kansas City, worked full time, just took classes, never wanted to go into the ministry, but uh, I just wanted to learn the Bible. So I took those classes and and then from after graduating Bible college, I was able to go on staff as outreach pastor at a church here in at Lee Summit in Kansas City. 
And then from there, my wife and I went to El Salvador as missionaries for 10 years. And then when we came off the field, my wife's a Christian therapist, so she was getting her degree in Christian therapy and did her master's degree here in in the States. So we came back, and now I'm on staff at a church in here in Topeka, Kansas. Been here for, for eight years. I'm an administrative pastor. And I love serving the Lord. I love witnessing and telling people about Christ and helping people see there's more to life than just what meets the eye. And this book would definitely give our listeners and those potential readers the understanding that there is more to life than what we see. Nowadays, there's this concerted effort to negate the spiritual and to only focus on the material. But that ideology eventually falls to the wayside. There are things that happen that force us to think God-sized thoughts. And in this book, The Bible, Dimensions, and the Spiritual Realm, we're going to be looking at people's new religion, which is science, and seeing how science is pointing us to not just the spiritual realm, but to the creator of it all. And this is very important because people don't want to believe this. They want to say, oh, the Bible is antiquated. The Bible doesn't really mean anything. It was written by one man. There's all kind of different arguments about the Bible. But here we're going to use science which is man's knowledge of our world. And we're going to use the Bible, which is God's message to man. We're going to bring them together in very interesting ways. So when you were working on this, how did this particular project begin? The project began really as a result of me teaching in the church classes about angels. And I would teach, I would teach about angels and good and bad, angels and demons. And most people think of angels three-dimensionally. So they think that angels are kind of like ghosts. They they appear and disappear and then appear and disappear and they're floating around us. And I said, let's, let's think of it in a different aspect. Let's think about angels being in the next dimension, in, a, in the spiritual dimension, and they're next to us. But we, we have a hard time thinking what, what four dimensions is like. What is a fourth dimension of space? It's impossible for us to understand that. So I give them an exercise of let's think what it's like to be in two dimensions and what a three-dimensional object would be like. So here's Flatman. He's in a piece of paper, and I stick my finger into Flatman's world, intersects his two-dimensional plane, and he only sees what intersects with that plane. He just sees a circle with my finger. He doesn't see the rest of my body. So when anything that, that's three-dimensional comes into Flatman's world, he has, it intersects his world, and he just sees the two-dimensional part of it. it, it he interprets it two-dimensionally. So maybe that's the same way for us. If an angel is a four-dimensional being or higher-dimensional being, steps into our three-dimensional world, we interpret it three-dimensionally, and we see it as a man. Uh, we see that, that angel is a man. So angels step into our dimension and then step back out of our dimension. So that, this whole thing started from really researching that. So I wanted to, to research that and so, see in science what pointed to four-dimensional beings or a four-dimensional world. And there's a lot of things in science that kind of point to there's more to our reality than we understand. Because a lot of people do respect scientists, and I am not one to negate scientific knowledge. If we did not have scientific knowledge that God gave us, the fact that we can discover our world and discover the universe is fascinating to me. When you think of all the permutations that God could have created our world, he did it this way, and he made us in such a way that we are hungry for curiosity and for knowledge. And so it's a good thing. That's why people say, well, ignore science. I said, that's the most stupid thing you could possibly say. 
If we didn't have science, we wouldn't have medicine. We didn't have science, we wouldn't be able to build houses and so many different things we can do because of science. I would never, ever, ever negate scientific knowledge, but scientific knowledge is limited to our human understanding. The more we find out how much we don't know, and we find out, as one scientist said, an information debt. So in your book, you talk about photons. And for some people, they may hear photons and they're thinking, oh, <laughs> photons like on Star Trek, for you get the photon uh, cannon out and shoot at the enemy. No, we're talking about particles of nature. So let's talk about photons real quick and how that relates to this discussion. So a photon is, is, is just a particle. It's, it's the smallest, one of the smallest particles that scientists study. And going back, just to divert back to what you said about scientists, even though scientists may not believe in God or believe like we do, uh, that doesn't mean that there's not truths that they discover. Now, how they interpret those truths, uh, we may differ with, but there are truths. So sometimes we, we see scientists that make statements and we just throw everything out. What I did is I take these true statements that these different unbelieving scientists, for the most part, Day, and I put them on the table, and let's look at all these, these truths. And one of these truths that the scientists come up with is photons and the study of photons. And through trying to find the smallest part of an atom, what makes up our world, trying to find the, the building blocks of what this world is, they were more confused than they, than they had answers. And one of those things was the, was the photon. It's the smallest part. It's a light particle. Sometimes it's a wave, sometimes it's a particle. They call that wave-particle duality. Photons act like a light, they act like a wave and a particle. Sometimes it's solid, so a particle is solid, but a wave is not. It's not solid. So sometimes photons are solid, and sometimes they're not solid. They're, they're just energy, and that really confused scientists. I like how you say in this book on page 55 of the Bible, Dimensions, and the Spiritual Realm, you say, light is a wave and light is a particle. One might say that's impossible, but in some equations, light functions as a wave, while in other equations, light functions as a particle. This, as you said, added to the confusion that they were having because we're used to being one or the other. Now, photons is just one element of this discussion. We're trying to build the building blocks in the universe. Now, here you quote a gentleman named Chuck Missler. Uh, Missler says, yet even stranger, when the experimenters attempted to detect the electron as it passed through both slits, the electron decided to suddenly behave like a particle and chose one slit over the other. Because the experimenters tried to watch it, the electron created a bullet pattern on the detector, kind made by particles. As long as nobody was trying to catch the electrons going through one slit or another, they created a wave interference pattern. But when the experimenters tried to watch, the electrons created the bullet pattern, individual particles. Now this here, you talk about the intelligent observer paradox. So why is this significant to the discussion? The significance originally was because as scientists really looked at the universe and they thought they were really coming in, figuring out how everything worked together. Now let's look at the small stuff and let's see what makes these atoms up. And let's, we, we'll know exactly where we've come from. We will be at where this concrete universe, this concrete three-dimensional material universe we're in. And they realize, oh, wait, this is not as concrete as we thought. This material universe is, well, maybe it's a wave. Is it a wave or is it a particle? Is it reality? Is it three-dimensional concrete reality when we're looking at it, when our senses observe it? But when we're not looking at it, 
it's not there, it's a wave. Even it, even Einstein was perplexed by it. And he even made a quote in that, I'd like to think the moon is there even when I'm not looking at it. So I think it, it, it made things fuzzier for science. From a, from a spiritual point of view, I would come in to say, well, maybe we're cre- God has created everything. Somebody has created everything. I believe it's God, the God of the Bible. And everything is digitally created, and this is a digital universe that God created. If I talk about the universe and the world we live in as being like a computer game, it kind of it dumbs things down too much. But what about a three-dimensional digital reality that God created? And we live in this three-dimensional reality, and we try to get to the smallest thing, we can't get to it. Because it's like trying to be inside a computer game and trying to figure out what is, what's, what's the material part of my reality. You're just getting to electromagnetic parts that, that hold everything together. And then even when we look at the universe, we can't get to the other side of the universe because it continues to populate. And when we get to that part, it'll populate. It'll populate because that's how it was created by our, our grand designer, God, who created this three-dimensional program. So I think the significance of several of these things, especially this, this particle wave duality, was the scientists didn't know what it meant. They couldn't, they couldn't package this thing. They, they didn't know if it meant that the, where we're at, this reality is all electrified and it's just a, uh, we're in some giant game or if this is a true three-dimensional, concrete, solid reality that we're in. And atoms kind of really show that. I mean, atoms are mainly space. They're just these small little electrified particles that, that, that go around each other and make up, you know, concrete is, is more space than it is material. And we've kind of known that, but how, what do we do with that? How do we understand that? And so I try to package that in the book as, well, let's look at the possibility that, that this creator created this three-dimensional digital reality. and we're not, it, it's real. The characters are real. The people are real. Reproduction is real. Death is real. And when we die, we leave that three-dimensional reality and we go into the true solid reality of where God is in that next dimension. For some who may feel uncomfortable with that, because I know for me, it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth until I began to consider we are real. We are not part of a simulation. We don't have nine lives. We, we don't have, we don't power up and get nine lives, you know? Yeah, I think scientists will talk about the simulation and, and they're talking about a video game where if I talk about it, this is real. This is, this is a real reality. And so I'm glad that you mentioned that because some people can feel uncomfortable with that. And that's why we need to be more open to scientific inquiry. Nowadays, you have this weird movement with some people saying, well, we need to ignore science, which is probably the silliest thing ever because God created the universe for exploration. He created for our curiosity. And like I was saying earlier, if you think of the various permutations that could have been our universe, our world, we could have been a fishbowl and we could hit the edges back and forth, back and forth. But no, he continues to create it because we are creating his image. You know, he enjoys us learning about him through his creation. Just like if we have children and we provide an environment of creativity, of freedom, with rules and boundaries, and our children grow up to be these wonderful people that are contributing members of society who love their Lord, their God, their family, their friends, their neighbor, and it just keeps doing that. So that's how you have to look at it in the same light. But that leads to my next point, and because you have this really small thing about photons, but now I want to get to something more philosophical about purpose. And one thing people are struggling with today is purpose. 
And so page 85, you go into this whole idea about purpose. Because purpose is something that some people do not know what they are meant to do here. Why am I here? And these are what I mentioned earlier, are God-sized questions that science cannot answer. We may be able to understand how the brain works, but scientists cannot tell you what your purpose is. And this, I think, also leads to why we depend on the Lord and find our identity in him because he gives us purpose. But let's talk about that and what you say about it here in this section. Yeah, and, and purpose really is where we see people of all around the world searching for something, right? They're searching for something. They may not know exactly what they're searching for, and they try to find it in different areas. We know, because we have the Word of God, the purpose is that thing inside us that keeps us searching. And in my book on page 85, uh, it says this, another piece of evidence that points to a designer or creator of all things is purpose. Do people have a purpose? Is there more to life than being born, living, and then dying? The materialists will answer the question by saying no. That leaves many in the scientific world wondering why they would work so hard and whether their life's work matters in the end. Heisch writes, let's face it, the reductionist view of human destiny is bleak. I am constantly baffled by the fact that a majority of my colleagues seem to prefer a philosophical view of human beings as short-lived, chemically-driven machines and evolved by accident in a random, remote corner of the universe and whose existence is a pointless and utterly transient curiosity. The Bible clearly gives mankind's purpose as having a relationship with the creator of the universe. Mankind's purpose is to worship and serve God, to be dependent upon God in all things. Though sin messed up this purpose, God, through Jesus Christ, allowed the relationship to be restored. Even unbelieving people battle within themselves about the sense of meaning and purpose. Rick Warren, the pastor of Saddleback Church in California, wrote a book called Purpose Driven Life in 2002. The book has sold more than 30 million copies. It has also been translated into more languages than any other book except the Bible and was on the New York Times bestselling list four straight years. It is interesting that several unbelieving scientists are awakening to the reality of a creator. And that's the key, awakening to the reality of a creator. And that could be frightening for an unbeliever because then you have to ask yourself more questions. We were not made to be automated. We were made to be in relationship with our creator. It's no different than with our children. We have children. We want to be with them. We want to have relationship with them. Recently, there was a Japanese man who married a cartoon anime character, a manga character. And he said, we are rising up as fictosexualists, basically people who are married or have relationships with non-animate, inanimate objects like a cartoon character or whatever. And he said, I want people to accept us. And I was really saddened by this. I said, we're supposed to believe that you're married to a manga character. And he said, my wife will never hurt me. She'll never grow old. She'll never die. And I said, but you don't have a relationship with her. She's just a figment of your imagination. And when I share this story, one lady said, well, if you have nothing to live for, why not live in a virtual world? What's the problem with that sort of thought process? I think it's a result, number one, of the broken relationships. We live in a broken world broken of sin, right? So we have a lot of broken relationships, and relationships are hard. 
So we have good relationships, we have bad relationships, and I think the result is in many people's minds is I want a relationship I can control and that I'm in charge of and that doesn't depend on the free will of somebody else. And that's not a relationship, right? A relationship is two free wills that, that come together and we work through the, those problems and those issues. Now, the nice thing about God is he's perfect. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. That, that we're, we're the problem in that relationship, right? And we're always trying to get ourselves right with God. And in this new age of having relationships with inanimate objects or whatever, I think it's just a way that we try to control a relationship and have everything in our terms. And ultimately, it won't work out because we can't run from ourselves. And we are sinners. We are broken. And we, we end up having a relationship with ourselves that's flawed. People are worth knowing. And the people who can hurt you are often the people who are closest to you. It's worth the risk. And I think about how Jesus, how God created us in his image. He said, let us make man in our image, right? Knowing how the story would end, knowing that he would have to save us, knowing that he would take burden of our sin on him, knowing this, he still said, if I can use this, right, and pastor, correct me if I got it wrong, I love you enough to risk my heart for you. I love you enough that I will take off my divinity and come down and save you. Because when you really think about it, he knew what was going to happen. And he said, I love him. I love PJ. I love Jeff. If it was only them two, I would still be here. And that's the incredible thing about it. And it brings you to one of the next sections in your book. On page 131, you talk about the incarnation of Christ. You talk about that. Yeah, and the incarnation of Christ, is, it's really an example of, of the greatest cross-dimensional thing that we can see. When you talk about relationships, it's interesting how Jesus, being God, God of the universe, he comes to earth, and what does he do? He establishes relationships with 12 disciples, and he lives with them, and he lives among them. So in um, the incarnation of Christ, we see his multidimensional character. We see him being born. Uh, into our world, and then living God in the flesh, that God came from the other dimension, a higher dimension, uh, to where we are. And it brings to mind about the multidimensionality of God as spirit. So you have God coming out as Jesus Christ as a human being, but then you have that multidimensionality of God as spirit. And on page 157 of your book, you kind of go into this. So let's go ahead and let's give our listeners a preview of what they can expect in this section of the story. So in, in this, I'm really talking about, I'm giving examples of multidimensionality uh, characters. We talked about angels earlier, and now we're talking about Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate multidimensional being. And that's God, who comes from the heavenly dimension and is born of a virgin and enters into our three-dimensional world and lives, lives among us and lives a sinless life. So the, the really the most important part about Jesus, about God in Jesus Christ who comes and lives among us is that he's born uh, sinless. And that's really Adam came, Adam and Eve sinned, and everybody born to Adam and Eve are sinners. So God saw the need to come again and to come and be born as Jesus Christ into our world. And then everybody that believes in him as the Messiah, as God in the flesh, as their Savior, would be born of him spiritually. That's where we get the phrase born again. 
So we're born the first time of Adam, but the second time we're born spiritually and we're born of Jesus Christ and our lineage goes from Jesus to God. So we're children of God through Jesus Christ. That's the only way we're children of God is through Jesus Christ. So Christ is born in the incarnation is to come into the flesh. He comes into the flesh. He lives the perfect life. He's God, fully God, fully man. And then we even see that in his death and resurrection as he dies on the cross for our sins and in his resurrection to show his victory over sin, he comes back and shows himself to the disciples and he is a higher dimensional being, this resurrected body, but he's in the three dimensional world with the disciples and they're, and they're kind of trying to figure it all out, right? Are you spirit? And he says, no, uh, you touch my, touch my body. He ate food, but he still came into the room and it was locked. He came in from that next dimension. It's just something that's really hard for us to understand, but it does point to Christ being in that higher dimension. He was born into it, lived among us, died and came back to us. The Bible does say those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And it goes back to my point about ourselves and how there are things about us that reflect a triune God that if he did not exist in the Trinity, we could not exist because we are made in the image of God in a limited way. And so let's talk about that as we get ready to uh, shut it down for the show today. Well, the multidimensionality of God is one of those things that we really have a hard time understanding. And I try to use the flat man example that I talked about earlier to really, to, for us to understand a little bit about the multidimensionality of God. If, we're, if flat man is in this plane and I stick three fingers into his plane, he sees three separate circles intersecting his plane. He has no idea that those three circles are all connected to the same person, Jeff, but they are. They're all three parts. So in a limited way, we may see three uh, examples of the Holy Spirit, of Jesus Christ, of God in our dimension, but they're all, they're all one, yet they're separate. And so the multidimensionality of God is also seen not only in his triunity and his trinity, but also in his omnipotence, that his, he's all-powerful. He can do whatever he wants in our three-dimensional reality. He's everywhere, omnipresence. He's everywhere in our digital reality. So we see, we see the very character of God permeate our three-dimensional reality. Like we can program a computer to do certain things. We can create a language. So we can literally create out of nothing. To a limited extent, I can create a language that did not exist before, which is one of the most powerful examples of how we got here. Because language is very interesting, extremely so. But that's a, another subject for another time. But we can create out of nothing. To an extent, just like God created everything out of nothing. He didn't need a code. He, boom, we are here. He said, God said, let there be light. And it's these things that are intersecting in our world. And as we use our limited human knowledge to learn more about the universe, the universe constantly points itself to the Lord. People say, well, just put it out into the universe. No, the universe is not omnipotent. The universe is a creation just like we are. The difference is that God gave us dominion over his creation in certain aspects. Now, does that creation extend to the universe? I don't know. And that's something I've been thinking about just as a writer. But those really provocative ideas, they really just get me going. That's why I'm so glad that you took time to be with me today, delving into these very interesting topics that are not cut and dry. They're not easy to understand. Boy, do it make us ask God-sized questions. And so before you go, how can people connect with you? 
They can email me on my personal email is Jeff, J-E-F-F, at TopekaBaptist.org. They can go to our, my website, wellingbooks.com, and they can uh, see the book there, see how they can order the book. They can also contact me uh, from that, or wellingbooks at gmail.com. In the few moments we have left, Jeff, I would like for you to pray for us and for those who are still seeking to keep seeking until they find the Creator who was always there. Father, we come before you. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ that we have entrance into your presence, and we come into your presence and we fall before you, and we ask, Lord, that you would work in a mighty way in the hearts and lives of those listening and those that you will put in our path that we will talk to. Lord, we thank you so much that Jesus Christ came to the earth, lived the perfect life, died on the cross for our sins. Lord, I pray that more people would see that, more people would understand that, the Holy Spirit would move throughout our nation and this world, that we would see souls saved and lives changed, and that we, you would use creation, you would use science, and you would use your word together to bring people into the saving knowledge of a Savior named Jesus Christ who gave his life for us. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. And Jeff, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. And we were talking today to Dr. Jeff Rhodes. He is the author of the book, The Bible, Dimensions, and the Spiritual Realm, Are Heaven, Angels, and God Closer Than We Think? We just scratched the surface of this book. So I encourage you to love on my brother and pick up your copy if you want to delve deeper into this thing called life, into this thing called faith, into this thing called science. This is the book for you the perfect amalgamation. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of the Parker J. Cole Show. You have a wonderful, absolutely glorious blessed day, and God bless.